From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in spooky, sporty Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are designing horror games and designing sports games. Who approved these topics? (laughs) (laughs) And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. Yes, this is our themed episode. It's 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 a it's a it's a very strange, very strange uh-huh. theme because uh, uh, I think all of us on the show uh, hate horror games and don't play sports games. So what are we doing? We, we thought we'd really get into it uh, yeah. from a, a, a trio of non-experts. Uh huh. Yes, <laughs> non-enthusiasts. Looking forward to your criticism. <laughs> Well, we did an episode like this a long, long, long time ago yeah, that's uh, in true. the first couple months of our show. It's called Try It Once. Uh, you can go back and listen to that where we each talk about something that we're not into uh, that the others have a little bit of context for. So that's sort of what we're doing here. But in this case, there's no one to correct any of us. Right. So, so I mean, I kind of, well, I kind of <laughs> like sports games. Okay. I can't, I can't say that about horror games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm curious to see uh, what comes out of this. Discussion. Well, yeah. And I mean, not just that, but like I, I respect horror games and I respect what they do. And it's an avenue of, of games that are not just fun, like quote unquote fun. Uh-huh. Um, so I respect that as right. It's too. leaning into another remote. Yeah. We'll get into all that. Yes. Um, but first we want to <laughs> talk about some games we played recently because we've all uh, piled up a short list uh, that yeah. we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go first um, because this is kind of fun. I, you know, I've complained on the show before how I don't play enough games, mm-hmm. and I think that's a pretty common game developer complaint. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have a, you know, I have a sort of a guilt about it, and especially a lot of indie games that I want to play that I've been meaning to play, I never get around to. And then once it's two years old, I'm like, I'm free of, I'm free of the. No one's gonna make me play it anymore. No one's gonna <laughs> give me a side eye because it's back in memory. So I'm, yeah. free, I'm free of it. Yeah. Um. So I want to, you know, do that less and less. And what motivated me to play a bunch of these games uh, recently was it, so it was Father's Day uh, a couple weeks ago. Right. Yeah. And uh, I'm a godfather to one of my nephews. Huh. And uh, my sister likes to have them uh, purchase little gifts for their god uh, parents on those Aww. holidays. So that's very sweet. And so the whole family gets together, all the fathers, and we, you know, we, we do a little thing, but I get a little thing from that, which is nice because yeah. I'm not a father. So like, <laughs> it feels like I'm cheating a little bit. But um, so my sister was like, you know, they're old enough now. They're just going to pick their own thing. So you're going to get whatever they pick. I'm huh. sorry. And she found that kind of funny. So uh, my nephew, who I've been, I've been playtesting Widget Satchel with, Ooh. and I uh, showed him Zelda when that came out on the Switch, and yeah. now, now he has his very own. Um, he got me a couple of Nintendo eShop gift cards. Aww. And so I'm like, this is fantastic and so um i bought a bunch of cheap indie games and uh it was a great motivation for me to finally sit down and play some of these yeah um you know which isn't to say i didn't have that amount of money before it's just like <laughs> i was being forced to and that, that was exactly what i needed so um a couple of these i played um first one is a game called typewriter uh it's like the you know typewriter like click clack but yeah. it's two words type rider and um it's a game that was funded by the french government oh. um and uh part of a of a of a of a like a, a museum exhibition kind of showcase expo sort of thing. Okay. Um, I don't have all the details on that, but it's basically a, a platformer, mm-hmm. relatively short. Okay. And you play through the history of typography. Oh. So this game was made for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, should be called Type Mark something. I don't know. <laughs> Mark's <Yes>. game. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's very cheap uh, on Switch. Um, it was a mobile game originally, and uh, it was, and then I think it, it was only recently ported. Um, not super recently, but um, so uh, in the game you play as a colon, 
and you can tell that it is a French game because that you play as a colon and that like no one double no one questioned that yeah <laughs> right <laughs> but you're just two dots and um it's it's it, the gameplay is not awesome okay. right but it's not bad it's sure. kind of fun um and because of these this sort of uh, oblong character um you can bounce off walls but you also rotate freely uh, uh, based oh. on the physics. So oh. if there's very frequently, you can accidentally jump backwards. Uh-huh. So there's like a little precision to it that can be kind of very frustrating, in fact. Uh-huh. But, so it's not just, it, it, so there's some skill to it and the levels are designed for you like hook on the edge of a, anyway, it's very strange because there's nothing to do with the actual content of the game, which is this gorgeous, like each sort of world is, um, you see lots of art about uh, the the uh, about uh, written language mm-hmm. from prehistoric ages all the way through you know past Helvetica into uh, into dot matrix printers and stuff like that. Yeah, there's even a, a secret level about Comic Sans. So that's a bit of a, not so much of a spoiler <laughs> because you need to go look for that. And the actual level itself is amazing. Huh. Uh, it's very it's like it's like uh, it's only precision platform. It's not a hard game. But that bonus level is hard. Uh, anyway, it's very fun in the sense that uh, you collect um, uh, letters of the alphabet in each of the eras. Okay. But you also collect six or seven um, asterisks through the level. And sometimes you have to look for them. Uh-huh. And then each of those contain their lore elements. They contain a couple of pages each of history of that era of topography. So you learn about the Gutenberg Bible. You learn about like Gothic script. Yeah. Uh, you learn about um, the Bauhaus movement. Uh-huh. You learn about Helvetica, the international style, like all this stuff that I know a lot about. But, you know, I didn't know exactly the biography of Didot. Like, you yeah, know, I didn't know all that, a lot of that stuff. So it's a really fascinating read. And so it is sort of like alternate game and Wikipedia. And so ah. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. No one would publish this game. No one would put a lot of money into making it because it has this weird balance between those things uh-huh. but the fact that it was you know it's sort of a public art project um and i think we need more of these things yeah. we need more of this kind of like one so that this, that this stuff can be explored more like these concepts can be explored more yeah. and so that they can be better versions of themselves because this game has this thing has a lot of faults as a game and as an educational resource it, right. it has some issues on both sides and they don't always meld together sometimes they do quite well um and, and certainly the game's art style uh, does a lot of it, it, it it's very evocative of the, the elements it's teaching you so it is sort of this wonderful window into this world which is really really cool mm-hmm. um but the more of these types of things we can get funded by governments funded by museums uh funded by nonprofits and 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 um and, and charitable organizations the more that this style of play can innovate and so i it was really exciting to play and i'm glad it's on switch and it's really really cheap um, so I totally recommend picking it up because it won't take you long to, to play. And if you don't want to read the, read the content, it'll be go even faster. But that's what you should do it for. <laughs> yeah. Totally recommend. Um, another game uh, is Rhyme. Uh, this came out a little while ago. Um, a platformer? Yeah, it's a 3D platformer. Okay. And it, Slash puzzle. Yes. Sort yeah. of thing. Oh, okay. um, so there's like few, if any, enemies. Um, the controls are relatively simple. It's okay. a relatively, it's open world in a sense. Oh. Um, but the, the, the way you play through it is roughly from one chapter to the next. Um, it is an incredible art style. And uh, once you find out what it's really about, uh, like it has a great uh, narrative hook okay. and a couple of really good twists. Platforming is like, okay, sure. but and the game might be a little longer than it has to be. Okay. Um, but it's a, definitely a fun play. Um, it looks amazing. And the ending is solid. Like it really, really ends strongly. Oh, okay. I yeah. love that one video games end strongly. Yeah. Martha, you played a bit of this, right? Yeah, I, I've been going through my backlogs um, and this game was in it. And I got farther than the demo got uh, yeah. at 
at GDC yeah. one year when we saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, oh, that's right. That's when it was announced. Was that the um, the Double Fine yeah. presentation, right? Yeah. So I got like to the part. Well, I got farther along <laughs> to a part that was scary, and I was like, uh-huh. I don't want to do this yeah. anymore. Oh. Also, for some reason, on my screen, like. I know there's a part, that, well, this is all spoilers, so I yeah. shouldn't say anything. It's a good game. I know. It's it's one of those games that I, I really want to just talk about, but you can't really unless someone's played it. Please don't, because now I'm interested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so if you trust us, play this game okay. and then, you know, um, talk to us on Twitter about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other one uh, was uh, Greece. Greece. Um, oh man, that game looked gorgeous. Yeah, G R I S. Not everyone knows how to pronounce it. Um, ah. I didn't. I had to look it up to be I sure. I would have said Gris. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the French word for gray. Oh, okay. uh, which can be pronounced gris, um, oh. but also gr- uh, grease, like grease, like yeah. uh, like oil. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's how the developers uh, pronounce it. Um. It is a uh, lovingly hand animated, uh, incredible, um, very linear okay, uh, yeah. a game. Um, I, I liked and didn't like this game. One, uh, if you've played, if you play Rhyme and, and Greece, uh-huh. um, there's a similarity there that like, I, again, it's spoilery, okay. but there's some w- uh, weird uh, connections in the narrative. Um, but also, um, it looks amazing. It has a bunch of really cool ideas. And every, when you go through a world, you get a new, uh, platforming ability, uh-huh. but it is incredibly easy game. Um, okay. it, everything is utterly linear you know exactly what to do next and the few times where it does give you some options and it's there's some puzzles Uh but all the puzzles are very straightforward and that's okay sometimes sometimes it's just nice to like put a jigsaw puzzle together you know what i mean like just you know find a thing put it here like it not really taxes you mentally that much it just takes some time and it's kind of enjoyable Uh and that's sort of the case here but it is in between each section is these long stretches of walking Mm. which is great because the art is incredible. And I think p- this is not something that you haven't heard before if you've heard of this game. Yeah. It's an amazing uh, uh, looking game. Um, but I think as an experience, I think it could have had more content in between those areas um, or it could have been a tighter experience. Yeah. And I think the idea behind these long stretches is to be a relaxed, slow. It's all, I think it's on purpose. Sure, yeah. I don't think there's a, it's a mistake necessarily. I think this is their design. Yeah. I just didn't really... I just kind of I got bored a lot okay. in a way that frustrated me because this is a game that I didn't want to be bored by. Yeah. Because every time there was something to do, I was like, okay, great, this is cool. I'm getting the next little step of it, and then it would be like, okay, now relax. It's time to sort of slowly walk to the next thing, and then I keep walking, and I'm like, I'm ready for the next part of the story. And I feel like the the narrative structure of the of the mechanics are working on me, and then they immediately just stop working, and then it becomes a slog. And that was very, very frustrating. Yeah. And then it made me kind of more like cynical about the next sort of like gorgeous pan out moment of of like scene setting. Um, so I had I had a, a difficult time with it. Sure. Um, but but real, I mean, I'd still recommend like okay. gorgeous uh, game. Um, but yeah, if um, and it's again, it's gotten some puzzles, but it's not a challenge. It's something you can just get through in an evening um, and sort of experience it. I guess just I had different expectations, and that might have been kind of what soured it a little sure. bit for me. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And the last one is one I haven't gotten to yet, but it's one I bought with these gift cards. Ah. It's a game called The Gardens Between. What? Is that is that the time game? Yes. It's a game where you have these little panoramas, these uh-huh. little uh, um, showpieces, and you can move time backwards and forwards and manipulate objects. And then there are characters that you that walk through it, but you don't control the characters. Um, I'm, I'm, I mention it just because I'm really excited to play it. Ah, okay. Um, it seems really, really cool. And it's got a lot of really good buzz. So, mm-hmm. But cool. I, have, I have nothing more to say about it. Have I <laughs> played that game? No, no I, I have been meaning to. But. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll report back once I yeah. get around to it. <laughs> cool, cool. 
Uh, I've been playing a lot of read-only memories, mm-hmm. 20, 2064 read-only memories. And it's a, that's the number. <laughs> yes, that's the year that oh, the, the, year. That the mm-hmm. game is set in. Oh. And it's very good, very good. Yeah. Dark, but very good. Uh, the voice acting is really good in it. And I love that the whole game you play as if you're like holding some sort of handheld pixel art piece of technology uh-huh. and it's really cool like the whole theming of everything fits together with what's happening in the game and yeah all the characters are really interesting and diverse and it's really cool yeah mm-hmm. i was uh I, my brother was playing that game and i was watching him play a little bit of it and it looked yeah. really cool i played this at indicade i think before it came out as a demo and I had a difficult time with it because it was just getting through dialogue boxes. It was not the right setting for it. So I always felt like I didn't give it the chance. I didn't really understand what it was. And I was like, all right, I got to move on to the next thing. Yeah. I guess I, I'll come back to this another in time. A, in a, you have, it's one of those sit down and play it yeah. by yourself sort of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like I can see why it pan didn't get. Yeah. I can see why it didn't work in a setting where you had only a limited time to play it and yeah. a bunch of people around you. So like, uh, what is there anything you tell about the story or like, uh, cause I, it, it's uh, the style, the art style is pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, well the, the story starts out, you wake up and there's this little robot in your room and you're I'm like, in. <laughs> <laughs> and the robot's like, hi, um, your friend built me and now he's missing and you have to help me find him. That's a good, that's a good little <laughs> narrative hook. I like it. Yeah. So you, follow Turing around mm-hmm. and uh named Turing yeah oh that's cute <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable <laughs> <laughs> um so it's all about artificial intelligence and they are kind of like a uh one of the only few intelligence intelligent robots mm-hmm. in the game but robots are like they call them ROMs in the game and they're everywhere yeah. doing all sorts of jobs like cleaning the park Early on in the game, there's this little park robot who has a, a water fountain, and his only job is to hand out water to people in the park, mm-hmm. which is ah. great. He's very adorable. <laughs> but yeah, I got so I've been so obsessed with it. It's really fun. Yeah, I played till three in the morning last night. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I also played Donut County. I had hadn't gotten around to playing that. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, that game is so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a lot of fun. Like it's very easy, but it's the it's very Katamari like yeah. uh, it's super fun. So Katamari is famously frustratingly difficult. Oh, in, in, in a certain way, because the controls are kind of controls hard to master. Weird, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's like relaxing. Then. Okay. So relaxing this is like Katamari. Okay. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Plus you get to destroy everything basically. <laughs> and there's raccoons. Yeah. It's pretty good. So uh, otherwise exactly like Katamari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, I've been playing Slay the Spire. It's not, like that uh, new of a game, but uh, it's out on Switch. Yeah, I was looking for stuff to do because I finally finished all the cross levels. <laughs> I finished a lot of them while I was in E3. Yeah, um, and um, and so again, I've been playing Slay the Spire. It's really cool. It's basically mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like a roguelike, but you play with uh, it's like a turn-based roguelike. You play with a bunch of cards in your hand, and you use those as your actions. Um, and so like it has deck building mechanics in it and stuff. And so it's really uh, it's really interesting because like I. I really love the, you know, the building and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All deck building stuff. It's, huh. it's great. Uh, it's, I don't think it's actually that hard, but that's maybe because I'm, I'm, I'm bad at it. And it makes it feel like it's much harder than it is. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll see how, how I do in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, I played Katana Zero, which uh, I played this before I played the Spire. Um, it's, just, it's a relatively short game, but it's not really a great game to play on the bus. 
because there's a lot of narrative and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Oh, you you're not like a read in the car kind of person. Uh, it for you or? Oh no, I like I was reading and I was paying attention to the cutscenes and stuff, but just like my bus ride is only like twenty minutes long. Oh, so it wasn't so like would, gameplay. Yeah, I would okay. play. Well, I would play it and then like I would be like, oh shoot, uh, the bus. Uh, I had to I had to stop, and this isn't really a great place to stop. So I'll just <laughs> do it, I guess. Um, and so I felt like I did that a lot. So I I don't think I got um, hooked on the narrative as much as I should have or could have if I had just played it straight through or something uh, so you had a similar problem that i had when i demo read only memories. right yeah exactly yeah um but like i paid for the game so <laughs> <laughs> so you had to stick with it yeah yeah so i mean i'd be i'd beat it and it's like it's fun yeah um, but i don't know i don't think i got into it as much as i probably should have okay well that's that it's haunted. Guys, what is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> Scary. This is the extent. Of, this is what horror means to us. <laughs> Jump scare. <Yeah. laughs> uh, horror games. Yes, that is uh-huh. what we're talking about today. Because I made a horror game. What? I did. Um, my company sometimes will have like a week where we uh, work on. Uh, we do like a game jam. We yeah, work like on an internal game. jam, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was working uh, with Lizzie, um, who's one of my uh, good friends, and uh, uh, Sydney, who was also one of my good friends at work. Um, and they are both really into horror things. No. Um, and I am not. But I was like, yeah, you're okay. You have to wear with all to stop them. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're going to do this. Um, and it was hard because I uh, got to a point where I didn't want to play the game I was working on because <laughs> it was too scary for me. Uh-huh. Um, so here I am talking about how to design games that you won't want to play because they're too scary for you <laughs> is that that should i mean the threshold on that's probably pretty low for you oh yeah it's really um, low. <laughs> but like is is that the goal of a horror game designer ah uh, I, uh, I, I can't say that i like it's a success when i'm too scared to play it yeah. game. <laughs> I, i'm sure there's a certain aspect of it where like you know everything that's happening so it's not scary yeah and you've spent the last like 30 hours making this scary monster walk the three feet forward that it needs to. <laughs> right, yeah. and you're like, what the heck? It's just silly at that point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was still spooked by my own game. Um, yeah. And it's weird because I, I hate being scared. I hate it so much. Yeah. Uh, but I still did it anyways. Because um, I figured it'd be a new experience and um, it, it's I could learn from it. So, I mean, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of different types of horror games or horror things, really. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail on all of them, but there's a few types that I, I guess I wanted to bring up. Like there's psychological horror, things that make you question reality, yeah, <laughs> things like that. Uh, uh, Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem is famous for like its meta game horror stuff that they yeah. did, where like if, if you think that like your game save was deleted and stuff like that while you were playing it, uh, or like your your console had blue screened or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know that the GameCube could blue screen. Well, I think that it was, uh, you know, generally when you plugged into a TV and you didn't have an input going into it, it would be a blue screen with a little green input one or something. Yeah. And for a time, uh, you could, most TVs looked roughly like that. Yeah. So you could, so that was a good trick to play. Yeah. Wouldn't work anymore because every TV looks different now and Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't be fooled by it. Yeah. There's never really been a game like that aside from this. Well, there's some been some that have like tooled around with the idea yeah. of your uh, the game is manipulating your computer or something. But yeah, I mean, there's um, Doki Doki Literature Club or whatever. This oh, like, is that what that this that like works? you have to go in and 
this like you have to edit manipulate your save file files or yeah, yeah and and the game files itself and stuff like mm-hmm. that oh. and then then that game we played uh one shot, uh, one shot mm-hmm. yeah. that reaches in and finds the name of your user your, or yeah. whatever and other things on your computer yeah mm-hmm. that's kind of creepy <laughs> yeah that one was a cool one um there are action horror games which are Basically, action games, but they have horror elements. Resident Evil. They just have zombies. Horror they also have zombies. Those elements. Yeah. I mean, as, far as, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, those are just action games. Uh, That's just how they seem to me. They're. Uh, I mean, I haven't played them, so I don't know. But I yeah. think that I think that like they are. Um, they have like horror. They. The way that it can work is like it can take some of your power away. The way action games normally work is mm-hmm. you're very powerful and you can you know wreck face. And, destroy things and that's great um but because it's a horror game like they can take that power away from you and they will do that sometimes to make you feel you know scared okay um and so that's i think that's the twist on it oh so that's how it works with those action mechanics yes i see i think that's how like resident evil 4 like you have like you have powerful guns and stuff but you had limited ammo that's how all resident evil work sure um and so like you can kill stuff but if you run out of things to kill stuff with then you get killed Yeah, the math on that checks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, there are atmospheric horror games like Silent Hill. Yes, is is famous for its fog. I mean, they specifically put the fog in there because like they couldn't load all of the things. Right. PlayStation, but like it actually worked for the game. And like, right, like that also spooky game, uh, Superman sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I used to play that game all the time yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> Um, not the single player. Single player is terrible, yeah. but like the multiplayer aspect of it was not that great either. When <laughs> you don't have a lot of games, you play what you can. Yeah. Um, and then there are like gory horror games, like like Dead Space and stuff that have like body horror and things like that. Right. Really nasty creatures and stuff gnawing at you, or you know, right. Really disgusting stuff. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Uh, a lot of yeah. Things. So Dead Space um, yeah. is you know action horror as yes. well, and the third game was much more action action, right? Like just sci fi action. Yeah. It got a lot of criticism from its fans. Mm-hmm. I remember that being like a big part of why that that game didn't do great. Yeah. So there's there's a distinction, and like fans are we looking to be scared? Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> well, we're not going to figure that out today. Uh, <laughs> nope. That's um, um, beyond my pay grade. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what kinds of things can make a good horror game? Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I guess from what I've observed, it's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery. From what I've observed, and I guess what I've experimented with in the, the game I made, looking through your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Literally, my development time was spent like that. Uh, uh, one thing that you know is common in all horror things is jump scares. Uh, if you use them too much, though, jump people- scare. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you used it too much, Martha. <laughs> um, they, people will become desensitized to them or annoyed by them, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, if you use them in a, in the right way, it can it can terrify people. You need to make sure that like it, you build up the tension to where it makes sense, mm-hmm. but like in a way that players or players yeah aren't not expecting it. Um, so I don't know, just think about that when you're doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that is unique to uh, horror games that is different from a lot of other games is that like there is a sense of power in most games but like you can oftentimes are encouraged to like take that away from the player to make them feel a lot more tension make them feel more uh scared of the of the content around them mm-hmm. um because like if you can't deal with the content then it you know it'll it's coming after you and you have to you have to run away from it mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so that's something that uh yeah that's another thing um actual threats like you know enemies that you can't just plow through um, are important in, yeah. this, in this kind of game. Uh, in uh, the 
remake of Resident Evil 2. Um, they had that Mr. Mr. X character or whatever. X gonna give it to you. Where uh, <laughs> where I guess it was like invulnerable to all of your bullets and stuff and it would just slowly constantly come after you. Yeah. Um, actually, in the game that I made... Uh, Basically turned it into an auto-scroller. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you, you never knew when he was gonna come after you and stuff. Mm. So, uh, it, you know, it was a constantly plotting, slow-moving thing that would, you know, uh, every once in a while break into your the room you're in while you're like looking for stuff. Right. So you knew it was out there. Yeah. I mean, that's the you suspense. Knew was, right. You knew it was right. out there. You knew it was searching for you, but you just didn't know when. Right. Um, right. I mean, uh, uh, Alien Extinction had the same thing. Alien isolation. Isolation. Yes. Yeah. Alien Isolation had this where or the alien would constantly be like coming into your room and stuff, and it had like uh, there was a whole detail on like how its AI worked, but it was mm-hmm. constantly knowing where you were, but like not exactly knowing where you are so it would like you know sneak into your room at certain points and it would terrify you right so it gave you the impression that it was like always one step behind you right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so like it was constantly following you. something to pay attention to mm-hmm. uh good pacing is important here too because you can't just be scared the entire time otherwise you will either eventually not be scared or <laughs> <laughs> or you'll be too scared and you just won't play the game anymore yeah, there's that line that all games have to, uh, in certain types of content, which is you start to see the seams a little bit. Yeah. And then the the ma- the magic fades away. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you can take pacing from other games um, as an example of this, like Uncharted, uh, as much as I don't like those games, mm-hmm. they have decent pacing where like you will oftentimes have uh, a big uh, uh, cut scene thing and a bunch of explosions and all this stuff and you're running from a train or whatever. Um, and then, like right after that, there'll be a nice calm scene where, like, the the characters are discussing their next moves or whatever else. Yeah. When you can sit there and reflect on what you just did, and uh, take some time to uh, build up to the next. next yeah. Scene. And those games uh, do play on your sense of fear in a certain way. Uh, Tomb Raider's like this too, where yeah. as you get closer to the end, uh-huh. then that pacing starts to change. Yeah. And then you're, it, it brings you out of your comfort level. Yeah. So this is not; these are elements that are techniques you can use not just in a horror game. Right. Let's let's jump scares though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yes, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, another thing is like you could lightly touch on people's phobias a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, like um, the common ones like claustrophobia or uh, arachnophobia, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, put a spider in your game, it automatically makes it scary for some people. So right. think about that. Uh, but you want to avoid causing or triggering actual trauma from people as best as you can, um, because like I mean people are playing your game to enjoy your game and they're not trying to relive any past experiences that have caused harm to them in the past. So uh, just be considerate of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can like, for example, like warn the player before they start playing the game that like, it has these kinds of things that can, uh, right. you know, trigger you or something. So, um, um, or like ways to opt out, even just like being able to pause the game mm-hmm. is helpful because then they can pause it and close it and or mm-hmm. run a leave or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know of any like high profile examples yeah. where, where either, that effort wasn't made and it actually affected people in a way that wasn't intended or examples where the effort was made because the content was potentially so triggering. I feel like that's a conversation that we feel we have to have and like it's important, but I don't know that there's a lot of like examples that can help us guide us when we create new content. Sure. Um, but now I'm just not familiar with the genres as much. Yeah. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on that right now. Well, listener, if you have a great example, let us know on Twitter. Yeah. Um, because it, it, I think, and this is true for other elements of game design too, where you, like, you know, you want to do good at this one thing, but you don't have a lot of information to help you make the right decisions. 
um, or or give you enough to make the decisions you want to make or the effect you want to have. Yeah, and I think that's definitely a case of that. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So uh, feels like it anyway. Yeah, I, I I'm not exactly sure on the best way to do it. I know that like how like movies and uh, TV shows will handle it. They will let you know what kind of content will be in the thing beforehand. Yeah. And I guess like uh, our the rating systems that we have in our games do like. They have like violence and stuff, but I don't know how descriptive that would be. In yeah, there's instance. a certain amount of like how much do you want the story to un- unfold and be surprising and, yeah. and without you know. And so yeah, there's what the what's the the standards um, best practices? I don't know. Right. Well, there are there are common there are common triggers for like common uh, trauma things that people have gone through yeah. that like you can be considerate of in the, in the right uh, in the meantime part of me is also skeptical of anyone making a horror game having the capacity to do justice to any of those topics uh <laughs> but that's me being cynical yeah <laughs> i can't speak to that one yeah um um last thing i guess i wanted to bring up is uh just think about like the player um if you if the player understands like all of the systems and things that are happening behind the scenes for the game um and some games do this right because that's like an aspect of the game is understanding how it works um, then they, you know, that they, they understand how it works, and there's no fear because, like, they know that they're safe in this moment or not safe in this moment or whatever yeah. else. Um, so darkness or you know unknown information is important in these kinds of games. Making sure that the player is not uh, is kept in the dark about like what 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 what's going on behind the scenes is important uh, because otherwise, yeah, the mystery is part of the fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so those are the kinds of things. I did. Uh, I went through, I guess, when I was uh, working on my game. Uh, the game I worked on was uh, this game where you play as a scientist whose uh, son, she is uh, convinced, is infected with some form of a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she has a uh, micro sub because, of course, you have a micro sub. <laughs> and, you inject, and she injects it into uh, her son's bloodstream uh, to look for this infected cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, she discovers that there is, in fact, an infected cell that is like it's slowly, constantly chasing after you mm-hmm. after the sub. Um, but you need to scan um, an un, a not fully infected cell that looks exactly like all the other ones, um, but moves differently. It moves more uh, uh, unnaturally. Okay. Um, uh, to to uh, to find the cure and then make the cure. And so there's like a time order. pressure. So the task itself is not incredibly challenging. No, but yeah. The time pressure makes it makes you need to be on the ball yeah well it, it's it, yes uh there's not exactly a time pressure i guess i took i actually my my coworker audrey came up with the idea and then i, I implemented it in i took inspiration from or we took inspiration from um there's an evil too, mr mm-hmm. x that slow moving plodding creature that's always moving towards you there's a very clearly an infected cell that is you know evil and if it runs into you it will destroy your sub um and it's constantly slowly moving after you um the way i coded it because I don't, I don't know if oh you know what maybe I'll make a, a build and put it in the show notes or something hmm. see if I can do that um, but uh, the way I coded it and if you want to play it beforehand uh, skip this part <laughs> um, is like it, it increases in speed the uh, the further away it is from you because okay. like it always needs to feel like a threat yeah um, and so I made it move faster when it's farther away from you when you're moving away from it so that it will always be close or get closer to you really quickly right uh, this is like a Mario Kart rubber banding. Yeah, yeah, basically, but for horror. Uh, <laughs> um, and so uh, I, um, so there's that aspect of it. But in the meantime, there are all these different regular cells. They all look like all of the cells don't look like blood cells. They're all like creepy looking things. But there's one cell in particular that is the infected, the infected one that looks like all the other ones, but like behaves and moves differently. Mm-hmm. Um, if that thing touches you before you find it, it will also destroy yourself. 
but it looks like everything else. So like you're constantly like you have to stand still and scan each of the cells individually to determine which cell is the good cell. Meanwhile, or the bad cell. Meanwhile, the the black and evil looking cell is constantly chasing after you. And the infected cell is also constantly chasing after you, but you can't tell which one it is. Uh So it makes it feel so my goal was to make the game feel like a claustrophobic, um, but also like a paranoia sort of thing where like you constantly can't uh, you don't know if the cell you're about to bump into is a good cell or a bad cell or not. Right, right. It's like that. Um, And that's where I had a hard time playing and testing (laughs) it because like I. I, I made it random, so I don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell which one it is, but like I don't know. It moved really creepy and stuff, so I <laughs> didn't want to touch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's what I was trying to. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. Um, I'll I'll see if I can make a build and put it in in the show notes. Yeah, so that's, that's an can, effective uh, execution of all the things you were talking about. It yeah. seems like it is anyway. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm not going to play it. It's a horror game. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Um, I did want to talk about like, I guess, I guess counter to this, this topic is like what being scared does to me anyways and why I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, cause like, I don't know. I, 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 I generally speaking when like a game has some form of horror element, I find much less enjoyment from it because like, I just, I cannot think I cannot stand being scared. It just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe the feeling. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess like a lot of people when they watch a horror movie or something like that it feels like a thrill ride right right it's the roller coaster idea it's like being scared and then the relief that comes from it it gives you a sort of a a a high yeah in a sense Uh um but if the the the, there's too much of a fright and not enough relief yeah then that high isn't worth it yeah i think i think part of my uh, part of my issue is i don't have a very high tolerance for that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff so i i get scared very easily yeah and so uh, I guess probably regular horror elements probably scare me to a point where I just do not enjoy it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be an aspect of it. Um, but I, for like with with roller coasters, like I don't find them to be scary. I find them to be thrilling. Right. Um, and maybe maybe it's just like that aspect of it. I understand enough of how roller coasters work where I feel safe enough where I can take it and still right. feel a little That's, bit of scare. That sits under your threshold. Yeah. But it, it rises to it in a way that works for you. Yeah, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it's not just that scary things are more, you know, that, that it's just certain types of things, right? Yeah. You have a, you have a sort of a horror profile <laughs> that is not all inclusive, but broadly inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's something. Um, but I, I also want to talk about like y'all's experiences with scary things and yeah. how do you feel about it? Um, so why don't each of us, why don't, yeah. Why don't each of us like horror things? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, there's a lot of things that I don't like to play. Cause I just, I also don't like feeling scared. Uh, so like, and I find horror elements, quote unquote, in a lot of things that other people would be like, yeah. what? <laughs> like Dylan finds it hilarious uh, because I found horror elements in like Princess Bride and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, things like that. But I mean, there are certain games that I haven't been able to finish because they get too scary. Like uh, Firewatch mm-hmm. is there's like early on in the game, there's like you're going up this path and there's like this shadow that ah. crosses the path of somebody and yeah. then you find your this is very early in the game so <laughs> not very much spoilery but mm-hmm. you're all, all your stuff is wrecked and so someone's been in your space and you saw them and now oh. they're somewhere and you don't know where they are yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that just freaked me out and I was like okay I'm putting this <laughs> game down <laughs> that's interesting because I think even like the early, one of the earliest trailers was just a, that scene where you learn someone's been in your stuff. 
And it's meant to be this sort of like mystery hook that is a little bit, that is a little scary. And so it's interesting that, that what they used to sell the game was immediately your checkout point. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> I think, and Mist kind of scared me a little bit mm-hmm. too when I was a kid because I think it's that alone feeling where right, you're, like right. you're, th- you are dealing with an unknown thing that you can't, that, or like in this case, like there's no one ever in these places. And yeah. then sometimes there is a person and right. that oh. can be freaky. Or some animation or reaction you weren't expecting. <laughs> That yeah, uh, Riven I think does a does a does more of that because it was capable of doing more of that. Yeah. So you were, <laughs> I think I was much more cautious just walking through the world of Riven. Ah. At the end of Exile, I won't spoil it, mm-hmm. but I couldn't. I had to have just say, "Hey, Dad, w- tell me what happened." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Show me the good ending. <laughs> um. But yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing. But I also like some sometimes that can be okay. Like. There's some scary stuff in 2064, yeah. um, but I, because you're with other characters, when that happens, it's a little bit like I can. I was like, I want to know what happens now. You yeah. know, not not like, oh, I need to put this game down. Yeah. So, I I'm. It's interesting. I sort of know what you're talking about, but I don't really feel that same way. And the same with you, Stephen. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I I'm pretty sure I'm scared of things. Like, yeah. But I don't know. Like, it just doesn't appeal to me. Um, like, roller coasters aren't interesting to me. Like, okay. I don't ever enjoy them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm sure they are just as uh, thrilling or adrenaline rising as other people. Like, I'm not immune to fear. Sure, yeah. It just doesn't, like, I don't, doesn't do anything for me. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think that's different, probably, from the reasons you guys don't like uh, horror games or elements. Like, uh, Batman, the Batman Arkham games yeah. um, are action games. Yeah. But they really have a lot of this sort of creepy horror like imagery. They do even have some jump scares. Sure. It's not a horror game. Yeah. But it has a lot of that stuff. And I remember just being like rolling my eyes at all of that stuff. Mm. Like the atmospheric spookiness did, I just couldn't, I couldn't buy into it. Okay. And I think that's just like a personality failing perhaps. <laughs> um, but, um, but that, that's a big part of it is I'm, I'm much, I'm really interested in systems. So like when I watch movies, I always am like checking to see like, did they shoot that on location or in a studio? And that does not ruin movies for me. Yeah. Like I'm able to have this separate idea of like me watching it and admiring its construction. And then me also perfectly suspending disbelief, even when I can see all the seams. Like I'm, I, that is how I enjoy most things. And mm-hmm. like, um, I feel that I like to think that that helps me as a creator design things. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe not. <laughs> um, and video games are the same way. So horror games just, have there's no appeal to me i don't understand them i suppose the design is also counter to what because they tried to obscure all of that yeah and and it's not and and you know uh, i don't have enough experience playing a lot of these so it's mm. you know there might be something about it i do like yeah um but you know i played the original resident evil at a friend's house a couple of times and yeah. like i mean it just seemed like a boring tank control game and like <laughs> the scares didn't you know what i mean well yeah. Um, yeah like the aesthetics of most of horror games i'm not even interested in either yeah. so like so like i think there are some things that i might be able to put up with but because they're wrapped in like gray zombie like i hate right. zombies and like zombies are walking gore things yeah i don't <laughs> I like gore, gore yeah. yeah yeah that might be more of my dislike because I'm I'm very aesthetically sensitive. There are things I won't play, even if I know I'm going to like them, because I don't like the art style. Mm-hmm. So that might be more of it than I'm even willing to admit. That I just I don't like that aesthetic at all. Doesn't it, it just seems silly, you know? Doesn't seem silly. I mean, it just seems nasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't like yeah. uh, the newer Mortal Kombat's. Like I played the ninth one, but like I don't think I'm going to play the other ones. They just get <laughs> they just got more and more grotesque. Yeah, in a way I don't like. 
yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I have. I just, I'm realizing now that like I I completely abhor jump scares. Yeah, because like it's a sharp spike in 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 it. Which I'm not. A, I normally can see when they're coming, but like I I just can't stand that. Right. Right. Uh, Right. I think the reaction you want, I'm just going to role play a little bit. It's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like that's what, that's what they want you to do is to right. be like this like spike of fear. Yeah. Um, followed immediately by like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. And this sort of like almost giggle about it. I think mm-hmm. that's what people want. Uh, I don't think a jump scare is meant to like rise up your level of fear and keep it there. Yeah. Um, but right. without, without that giggle, like, then what, uh, well, you know, I find myself what's whenever, enjoyable about it? yeah, when I, I find myself whenever I uh, experience a jump scare, I get angry. Right at the thing, right? And it's like someone. It's like someone just hit you. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, and like sometimes, like I'll, I don't know if, like, uh, when I used to live with my parents or something, I would, you know, wake up in the middle of the night, and my dad, he's very, he does not sleep, and he was just standing there with an axe. (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah, like, uh, when, uh, when my, like, I would just wake up in the middle of the night or something, and I would go to the bathroom or whatever else. And then, like, I I uh, opened the door or whatever, and my dad was just not not standing there staring at me, but he was just like walking down the hall or something, uh-huh. and I didn't expect him, so it would freak me out. And then I would get mad at my dad for <laughs> just walking down the hall, right? right. <laughs> and like, I, it, it's not his fault; he's just doing, you know, yeah. just being a human. But like, I well, I that's know. a really interesting way of like the uh, intent versus cause. Yeah. So it, you had this expectation of an open, free space that belonged to you. Yeah, you knew where all the whatever you had an understanding of the world you were in at the mm-hmm. moment, and then that unexpectedness like shocked you out of that. Yeah, and that is essentially all that these these sort of these structures are: is to either give you a sense of comfort and break it, yeah, or keep you in this sense of of discomfort. Yeah, right. Yeah, where you don't know the shape of the walls or the what, what the how big the next room is. Yeah, like it's not always about monsters. It's sometimes just about like not knowing if the ground you're standing on is solid. Yeah. Or thinking it is, but knowing it might not be in the next step. Yeah. You know, you know I tend to, yeah, I tend to do a lot better with like psychological horrors uh-huh. better. Um, like uh, I watched uh, Get Out and like there's a few jump scares in that. There's like two or three, but otherwise it's basically just like regular horror stuff. Yeah. You know, psychological horror stuff. And like I did, I had a much better time with that. But then I went to see Us and that has way more uh, jump scares and creepiness. Yeah. People, you know, threatening stabs and scary stuff and i did not like that really <laughs> um i had a much harder time with that my eyes were closed most of the time when i was yeah. watching that movie um so yeah i don't know uh you know speaking so of jordan peele yeah. properties the, the latest twilight zone right. series which he executive produced uh, and is also the host of filling yeah. in the the rod serling suit mm-hmm. um the final episode of the first season has an extended. It's a lot. There's a lot of meta stuff. I won't spoil it, but okay. there's a ex, lots of running away from things and sort of like, oh no, it's all falling apart. Run, 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 run yeah. to the next thing. It felt very much like a horror video game, <laughs> and I was so bored of that episode ah. because so much of its runtime was just that, like that imagery, yeah, that sort of horror element, which is which is uh, the episode itself is a bit of an homage to the Twilight Zone as a franchise, okay, and it works in a lot of ways, but I. As a Twilight Zone fan, I forget that a lot of what Twilight Zone is good at is that sort of the sci-fi fantasy horror. Yeah. I, I sort of lop that off for my own, you know, my own memories. Yeah. But that's actually a big part of it. And, and seeing that being confronted with that and being bored by it, I was like, oh, right. That is a big part of the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to check those out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess uh, I don't know if this helps at all. Us talking about how we dislike horror. You can use that um, as a weapon to destroy mm-hmm. us. 
you know what? I, we each have some a different approach to why it doesn't work for us. Yeah. I would be interested, not that this would be uh, um, feasible commercially, uh-huh. but I'd be interested to see designers try to take each of us as a challenge. Oh. Like, how do you make a game that actually uh, works for the way we take on it? Because I think we have a lo- we all have a lot of appreciation for the mechanics and the mm-hmm. intent yeah. and the design. Um, but we each have different reasons why very few, if any of these things have ever worked on us. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's just a case of like, there's no helping us or, <laughs> or if there's actually something that could appeal to our specific takes on it. Yeah. Um, there's probably not enough of each of us in, out in the world to make that viable, but yeah. I'd be curious to see what someone's attempt or just a discussion about making that work. Cause I don't know how a horror game could work for me. I have no concept of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I'm not yeah. the one to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Game devs get on it. Dang. You know? <laughs> and now let your chills and thrills. It's now time for the sports zone. Martha, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be back. Are you going to be with us this whole segment? Absolutely not. <laughs> be way too much work for your audio people. But... <laughs> <laughs> I am here to introduce the topic. It's one of my faves. I hope you all enjoy the Sports Zone. Take it away, Martha. Welcome to Sports Zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice of you to fill in for Martha. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's a really busy schedule, so. Yeah. <laughs> she has a lot of yelling to do outside the clubhouse. Exactly. <laughs> Costs a lot for all that theme music that constantly follows her around. (laughs) Uh, So I have been playing um, Golf Story also Mm -hmm. recently. And so I wanted to talk about sports games because I have played some sports games and I have really liked them. um, And I wish there were more like the ones that I like Mm -hmm. um, and less like Madden, uh, (laughs) etc. so, uh, I wanted to talk about designing a non-Madden cool sports game. Um, <laughs> uh, am I going to have to stand up for all those people who like Madden? <laughs> I no, I mean, I mean, really what I don't like is that is that most sports are like very dude-centric. And sure. I don't yeah. feel very included in that. Because like you, in games where it's realistic sports people, you can't pick women. And because mm-hmm. they're all, they're, they're not. Like there are hardly any women's sports games yeah. that I I've, that are popular enough to, for me to have seen. Yeah, right. And that feels like just a simple fact, but it's so consequential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and weird that no one's really interested in tackling it. Yeah, I mean, like, well, like, I like it's a problem th- across the sports as in general yeah. is that like women's teams can be doing way better than the men's teams, but they get half the money and half the airtime and like none of the. Yeah. Yeah. Like there'll always be a tension during the Olympics or when the U S makes the, the world cup or something. And, but it's just those moments. It's funny. Yeah. Cause we have that issue here in Minnesota. Like our Timberwolves team is notoriously bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Horrendously. So, I mean, I've gone to some of these games. I mean, and for those that don't know, that's the NBA male team yes right that's a, <laughs> that is our male team but our links team uh, our our female basketball team has won like three i think they're three time championship winners yeah uh, now in a row i think something like that i hear about it once a year on twitter <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> well yeah exactly you hear it once yeah um but we, we still you know talk about the Timberwolves and things like that i, I don't know that that's a good point then martha <laughs> yeah so basically what i'm talking about is sports games that are un- untethered from 
real life sports. Sure. Um, so there's like different ways you can approach making a sports game. Um, you can make it uh, like multiplayer. So you're actually playing against other people or you can make it that you're just always playing against an AI. Um, and then what I see is kind of a division between games that are based entirely on the physics of the actual things you're playing with uh -huh. and then the games that are basically just random number generators that you set off after you decide to play and then yeah. you see what happens <laughs> <laughs> uh so like examples of that are like um the backyard sports games which is one oh, of my yeah. favorite very very favorite games <laughs> it's a humongous game of course um but like side story about that it's sad that those games when the humongous so got sold to other companies, those got split off into their own things because they had started putting NBA and all the different types of oh, interesting. players in there. So they got sold to a different company and they aren't putting them out again, which is very annoying. Ah. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So in those games, you would like, uh, you'd say, okay, if I'm playing backyard baseball, uh, I'm going to try a line drive. And then, like, the only choice you get is, like, when you click to hit, try to hit the ball. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the ball goes and you get to run and you can decide if you're going to keep running to a base or whatever. But that's basically your only decision while the other players go and grab the ball and throw it and stuff like yeah. that. Whereas, like, a game like regular human basketball, for example, or Rocket League, mm -hmm. where you're, like, real time playing with against other players and the ball is actually going in a direction that's realistic from like you're controlling it more. Yeah. Right. It's a simulation real. space. Yeah. 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 Real physics. Then there's like different types of controls you can go for. So um, you can go for regular games with your controller or a keyboard, but then there's all these motion control games. Like there's a lot of Wii uh -huh. games that yeah. were and switch games now that do you use motion control stuff and VR games. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and you guys were talking about some Wii games that were... Uh, yes, there was... Uh, well, I guess it wasn't... It doesn't have motion controls. Did it have motion It did have motion controls. Mario Strikers Charge did have motion controls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. yeah. That game was amazing. I love that <laughs> game. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. Um, but I guess the, the motion controls aspect came in, came in where, like, all of the Mario sports games have, like, super moves you can do. Um, and what the super move is whenever you did this thing... Uh, uh, you could like block by like moving the mouse and you had to press the A button to block the balls or whatever. And they're, like, they're coming towards the goal. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think that like that was a really cool game. Uh, I don't know that it did anything other than that with for unique controls, but like it was something. Mm -hmm. Did Mario Tennis have any? The, like? the original Mario Tennis did. Well, I mean, the, you mean motion controls? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know that there was a mainline Mario Tennis game on the way was no i don't think there was oh am uh, i thinking of something else one, the newest the newest tennis game does, does have like a secondary mode where you can use the yeah, uh, aces but i don't think yeah. it was designed principally for that yeah but, yeah it's a separate yeah. mode i don't yeah it was not designed for that right mind. right mm -hmm. mario tennis the n64 version that was something my friends and i all got together and played and, also great um a couple of uh, this, is, this is like the high school era when there's like 15 or 20 people in someone's basement yeah like is that kind of a video game get together yeah nice. and i remember my friend dorian and i would we'd sit up at the little like bar in my friend's basement and we would do color commentary Ooh. and we don't know anything about tennis <laughs> <laughs> and of course you know there's like you know fire flowers and stuff in yeah. mario tennis so it was it was a lot of fun mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. This is yeah. Uh, Mario Tennis is where I learned how the scoring system in tennis works because the scoring system yeah. in tennis makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like you go from zero to fifteen to thirty to forty, and then you go to love or something if you're tied or yeah, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. There's a uh, the one of the most recent Monster Factories on Polygon uh, is they make a character for a cricket game. Oh, and of course they didn't know how to do the rules at all. But I feel like, yeah, it's cool that you can learn real life sports rules through these games. Yeah, yeah. I played um, uh, Sega NFL '96 on the oh. Genesis. Okay, and that's how I, that's ev- everything I know about football comes from yeah. that experience. It's that like I can talk to my aunt and uncle because I play backyard football, and I yeah. be like, "Oh yeah, that's totally you know, wow, got the first down, great." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's helping the rest of us fit into society. Yes. <laughs> so, Martha, you were talking about the two types of games, the sort of ones that are in simulation space and then mm-hmm. the ones that are more like planning, sort of the uh, choosing your play or whatever. Like, do you have a preference? Um, uh, well, I wish I was better at ones that had real physics. Yeah. Really simulated physics. Like Rocket League is a game you play a car car soccer and man <laughs> yeah. that game is gorgeous and it looks so much fun mm-hmm. and but i am so bad at it it just becomes so frustrating yeah um where at least with the playmaking games you have a little bit more it's more strategic and less like twitch like getting your car in the right place at the right time or right. your player in the right place at the right time um so i have a better chance at those so <laughs> i like playing those better but i like watching like other people play. Yeah. I wish I was better at simulation. It ones. is interesting. Like a lot of those games, like uh, Rocket League, is a sports game in that it's it simulates a type of sport, right. but it's also an esport game. Yeah, and that yeah. it is a, to play it, you need to have the you know it's competitive in that sense. Mm-hmm. And the you know that's not necessarily true of a game like Madden, although EA is like spends a lot of money put only on tournaments. But I think that's more just uh, promotional uh, events. No, uh, I mean there are some serious Madden players. I mean. I mean, serious air quotes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this isn't fair, but like, yeah. but compared to something like a MOBA oh, or sure, like sure. Rocket League, even it's not quite. The same oh, yeah. Because that game was not designed necessarily for that purpose. It mm-hmm. can be played that way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I find that sort of interesting, like the types of games that are that are have uh, physics systems. What's to stop them from becoming just becoming an esport and being inaccessible to the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> like there's a line. I think Rocket League just just steps over that line, you know? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, at least, at the very least, they don't ever change the cars. And every car is supposed to have its own, like, the same hitbox as yeah. all the other ones. So it doesn't matter which one you play, quote oh. unquote. I mean, there's ones that people have found, like, the edge case where that's right, better. Right. So they all play the whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, like, at least it's not like, okay, I have to relearn how to play this game every time. Because they don't really change very much. Less meta. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing that differentiates I feel like esports from regular sports is esports games get patched all the time, especially nowadays. Um like even uh, if we're including fighting games in esports. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on that. Hill. <laughs> um uh even fighting games like back in the day they did not get patched that much. So like melee is still the same melee that you used to play. Um but like uh, the newest Super Smash Brothers gets patched like regularly every couple of months or so. Right. Um, League of Legends gets patched like every two weeks. Um, I, I I know that Rocket League increases in content, but like the the actual game does not like they don't patch that. They don't really change anything. I mean, they patch it probably for things, but it 
because they add a lot of cosmetic stuff that yeah. probably has to be right. make sure it doesn't aff- actually affect anyone. right. But they don't have like they don't have like changes that make the car move ten percent faster or anything like that. Do I they? don't like not that I know about. Okay, it right. seems pretty static. Like okay. like if they do make a change, it will affect every car it won't be like oh we boosted this car yeah. to be better right, it won't change the rankings between two different loadouts yeah exactly sure. yeah because there there should be no difference so your your goal is to get better at like mm-hmm. there's like meta in that like okay this is the best strategy for getting when the ball goes over here to you know get it back over here and there's yeah. techniques that you need to learn how to do yeah. but it's less like oh well, now you didn't you didn't know that this item is now better than this item, so therefore <laughs> yeah, you right, lose right. not because you are any worse at the game right, yeah. than you were two days ago. Yeah. Right. And ultimately, because there are fewer dimensions of entropy, uh, there's actually less balance adjustments that need to be made at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Um, I do know that like sports does change over time. Like they do like patch, quote, quote. Uh, that game sometimes like uh for example with basketball they didn't used to have a shot clock timer mm-hmm. um but they uh there was this team that strat- whose strategy was to just like score and then keep the ball away from their op- their opponents as long as possible so they could keep the the um advantage um and then eventually they added the shot clock timer because everybody found that play to be boring <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh like i mean those are aspects of it there's 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 some aspects of uh patching i guess in sports that it mm-hmm. happens sometimes yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure that happens and it's interesting because like too. when we talk about sports games that are not uh, a version of a real sport yeah which is really like what we're saying that's what we want out of a sports game is more interesting and creative but then we don't necessarily at least for the purposes of this category we don't want them to just be esports yeah right and so the there needs to be this middle ground between an esport and a party game <laughs> Right, the middle ground is like it's it's. There's not really a definition. It's just it just sits there for many reasons because it doesn't do one thing or another. Doesn't pull this lever or that lever. Mm-hmm. Um, and like thinking like regular human basketball, which is highly competitive, but also lots of randomization. It's very difficult to have a fully sense of of the physics system. So it's hard to manipulate. So it's not worth all the effort to like be able to control it because the other player can just by luck do better. Right. You yeah. still have to be good at that game to yeah. be, to score and, and win. So that fits in the middle, I think. It's not quite a party game, but not quite an esports game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's more of a party game than a, yeah, than it and than in the middle to be person to be honest. Because like yeah, like those kinds of physics games like that where like you know they're like awkward to control and it's fun and like I get yeah. that they're not those don't appeal to me that much. Well, see, that's the thing. If you you know you can be you can get good at it. Yeah, I mean, I totally that. can. Yeah. You can get good at gang beasts and stuff like that too. But like <laughs> just the way that everything feels, it. Uh, it feels it doesn't feel like it wants me to get good at it, <laughs> it okay. feels like it, it yeah it feels like it yeah, wants yeah. to be a silly funny game and that's fine and maybe that's part of what keeps it from becoming an esport yeah. is be, being a little bit more inaccessible to mastery mm-hmm. right? right and that maybe and that that is a, a, a benefit yeah it, right but that does it make it a sports game i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean wherever you, whatever you how wherever you draw those lines yeah. it's up to you i guess yeah I think sometimes party games can capture the feelings that sports give. Like when we make Clawbreaker, it was a fighting game, yeah. uh, party game. But like I found the strategies that I had to use for that very similar to it felt like I was fencing like yeah. back back mm-hmm. at, at high school or whatever. So 
like you can evoke the the sports feelings in a party right, game. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it just means like sports are just games, right? That's I mean, true. They literally I mean, are. They literally, yeah, <laughs> they literally are. Yeah. So one thing, so one thing that I really like in sports games is like having lots of different, um, like if it's humans playing the game, lots of different characters. Yeah. Um, like in the backyard sports games, they had this whole cast of characters and. They were kids from all different backgrounds. You could play a kid in a wheelchair, and he was actually really good at all the stuff. Mm. And in Golf Story, um, they're, all the people around in the world are so quirky and interesting. And of course, this is like a lot of games that I like, but having like outside story things within yeah. the game to discover are really draw me in. Mm-hmm. So like building out the world that your sports game is in uh, can help draw players in who might not necessarily pick a sports game as their first thing. Yeah. Um, and like having like like silly costumes you can have your characters wear or like giving them unique walkout music for when they come onto the field or uh, whatever. Um, in the backyard games, there are color commentators that are like AI. Like they, they just make general statements about what's happening in the right. field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and they're super- Look at that hustle. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> The player has reached the first uh, first yard line or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or react to specific triggers. And yeah, stuff like that. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's super super fun. And like a single player game would be really fun to have, to have those those sort of things mm-hmm. um, to build out the world that you're playing in. Um, and then I like in games when there's like different modes that you can play in. Um, so like in the backyard sports games you could either play a pickup game or play in a tournament where you had like a bracket and you played multiple games against different teams mm-hmm. um and in golf story it's like that too where you have like there's you can go play the whole course on in a certain map but you can also do all these little challenges around that are uh teaching you different mechanics for how to hit the ball but all or also like doing like weird story things in the world. And uh, then in like, there's also like silly modes that are, are just fun. Like um, in rocket league, there's like the hockey mode where you're suddenly playing hockey and everything's like slippery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, or like you could make a mode where it's like, Oh, the, the ball suddenly I made out of rubber instead of, you know, Right. Uh, <laughs> like apply the the rules you've set up and then just one twist that changes everything yeah, yeah. right <laughs> i also want to talk about some of the games that i would like to make if i got access to these ips um <laughs> uh it'd be cool to make a game that's kind of like kelvin ball like um where you make up the rules on the fly yeah yeah well it would be like you would either take turns making up a rule so like the next round would then have to have you know everyone hop on one foot or whatever ah. isn't the conceit of calvin ball that there are rules but no one knows them yeah and you can't play it the same way twice <laughs> okay because <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah i would definitely like a game like that where part of the play is deciphering what's a legal move yeah, yeah. <laughs> spend most of your time in the penalty box trying to figure it out <laughs> Yeah. So, and I also it would be cool to make it so that like, like in in the comic book, uh, there's also strips where they're like, oh, this zone is like, you have to pretend you're swimming, or this zone you have to do like move in this certain way, and be fun to like be able to draw on your field or map or whatever, like 
different zones and yeah. things like that. It would be cool to have, it would be like a mini sports game engine sort of. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Basically just backyard the video game. Yes, right? yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. It would be hard to make, but I think it would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like a common twist on these games are, are golf games, right? Because it's, so, it's such a simple idea. Just hit a thing into another thing. Like it's just a, you aim and there's a target. Yeah. But then you, there's so much you can change, but still keep that core element. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Golf Stories one, What the Golf is another yeah. really great one. And it still feels like a sport. There was this one game my brother played that was a golf game, but like it, it was like it was more like a puzzle game than a, the golf game, really. Mm-hmm. Where like you, I mean, you do the traditional yeah. golf things, but like you have cards, and each time you use the card, the the ball will move in that distance. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So like you try, you try to get the ball into into the the hole. So uh, it abstracts the golf actual rules of golf with another set of rules. Yeah. Basically, yeah. You know, that reminds me, we haven't talked about it. Punch Out is that. Oh, yeah. Punch Out's a rhythm game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's not really a boxing like a game, game, but it's, it, it's the setting is boxing. And so that, that's an interesting genre that, like, it's a, it, a sports game by virtue of its narrative or styling, not by virtue of its gameplay. Right. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, 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 Mario uh, Tennis Aces is a fighting game. It's not really a tennis game. <laughs> that's what I keep telling people fight me Nobody yeah. Me, but, yeah. you know like things like that I don't know uh, yeah uh, uh, I don't I don't what what other games would you make um, so there's this book called Summerland I think I've talked about it on the podcast before mm-hmm. but it's about baseball is that and, Michael Chabon yeah and it's baseball but I have to interrupt you did you hear the news Michael Chabon Pulitzer Prize winning author is show running the Star Trek Picard series? Whoa! What? Whoa! Really? <laughs> yeah. Is this real? or Are you pulling my leg? No, it's a real thing. He, oh my he, god! He wrote one of the short episodes that aired last year, <laughs> and now he's going to be the showrunner for Star Trek Picard. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm here for this. I've I've loved. I mean, he's one of my favorite authors of all times. A huge fan of his. I have a poster of the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay next to a poster of Star Trek Generations in my office, and to hear that now that they're together. <laughs> It's fate. Yeah. So I sorry, I had to interrupt the show for that. <laughs> but anyway, that's awesome. Uh so we wrote this book called Summerland, mm-hmm, which yeah. is about baseball, but it's about baseball if like all these magical creatures were also playing baseball and you had to go on this epic adventure to save the world through baseball. Mm-hmm. I would make a game like that. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a baseball story? Yeah. Ah. Be like golf story, but more fantastical. Yeah. Like if you were playing baseball with giants or if you were playing baseball with you know shape-shifting things that could you know whatever yeah all to save the world from destruction yeah (laughs) yeah you know i I feel like at the end of the day a lot of sports uh i'm talking about like madden things like that a lot of those games are like basically like real-time strategy games uh especially like fifa fifa is really popular yeah they've become like rpgs as well Mm -hmm. like a lot of that stuff takes them away really from sports gameplay and more games with sports. Well, I mean, a lot of them are more like management games than mm-hmm. like sports games, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you t- oftentimes take up the role of like the person who is managing all the, 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 the players on the field and things like that. Um, and so it feels more like a real time strategy game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a real time strategy game. I guess that's designed for like controllers and things like that. It's not like Starcraft, but right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's more like it's more like a real time it's more like a real time yeah real time strategy game I guess mm-hmm. in, in that way, um, and it's interesting that like if you if you bring it outside of the digital world 
it no longer like retains a lot of that quality. It's not a real time strategy game because like you can't control all the people. They're humans. They mm-hmm. do their own things. Um, <laughs> a, a fact you regularly lament. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, if you if you strip it from the digital aspect of it, it becomes a completely different thing. Yeah. Uh, which is very which is really fascinating, mm-hmm. I suppose. Well, it's this that this notion of abstracting. Yeah. Right. Which is important to to gameplay design. Yeah. You don't want to simulate something exactly because then you're just doing that, and what's the point? Mm. You you want to abstract things so it feels real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, do you does that appeal to you as a designer or as a player? The the RTS elements. Like those no, extra. Elements? I don't like real time strategy games at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're too complicated. Yeah. So it's like your two worst like. Yeah. Two things you don't like coming. Well, uh, not all sports games are like real time strategy games. I guess. Yeah. So I, like I, but. Well, what would you make? What's what would appeal to you? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I guess if I were to watch a sport, it is a boxing game. Yeah. So or a boxing. So I would. Make a boxing game, fighting. You game. can't there just. You know, I, <laughs> I win. <laughs> you can't make all your games fighting games. But can't I go? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know what I would make otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I can't think of any games from like other media that like would be really cool to put into a yeah. video game realm. Well, it's uh, tough because you know, as we've sort of talked with it, like defining what a sports air quotes game is. Yeah it's a fuzzy definition so when you say like what would i do with my dream sports game yeah like you know martha had time to prepare and so she has answers <laughs> right, but it's sort of hard to like say well isn't that just a game like yeah. or it's like oh i want to make a game that's soccer and looks like real soccer mm-hmm. but has these other gameplay elements like well, what is that then like yeah i don't know it's yeah. so it's hard to to it, where you would think like what's your ideal fighting game you have all the things from other fighting games you can bring into it yeah and make your sort of perfect uh, mashup Without having to, you know, just thinking off the top of your head. Yeah. But, it, or a platformer, like all the things of all the platformers I've ever played. Right. Like, what do I like and what would I try to put in? Right. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't hold up to your, your eventual like scrutiny mm. when you try to work on it. Yeah. But at least you can come up with something. Mm-hmm. I think a sports game is a little harder because that, that fuzzy. Definition. I mean, also, again, we're not super experienced with sports games. So, <laughs> well, I, that's a big part yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine like yeah. a new fighting game, but like I would have a hard time with sports games because I just do not play a lot of sports or watch sports that often. And ultimately, too, like, uh, if we're talking about the world of real sports as like a starting place, there aren't actually that many of them. Like there yeah. are many, many sports, but compared to like ideas for other types of games, mm-hmm. you sort of, there's a lot of cons- more constraints that you have to choose first, mm-hmm. I guess, which makes well, it harder to imagine. I mean, the Olympics is adding more and more different things mm-hmm. to be sports. So yeah. it could be like a skiing game or like uh on itch, there is a, a curling game now, which I meant to play before this episode, but haven't yet. But it looks really cool. You play a walrus and stuff like that. Anyway, <laughs> cool. You play a walrus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've talked about it on the show before. I think curling is a game I love, mm. and I and I don't see it so much as a sport, but that's because I like it. I guess. <laughs> um, but that what that appeals to me, and if I were to design a, a game that I would call a sports game or try to convince people that's what it was. Is um is like game like curling where uh there's equality in play. So mm-hmm. all this uh, like RTS elements or thing like equipping a team or or things that are common to esports. I don't. I think I wouldn't put any of that in a sports game. I would make. I mm-hmm. love competitive games where you're given everyone's given the exact same tool set. Yeah. Um, because then it requires some skill, but also requires some strategy. 
but doesn't require a ton of knowledge. Sure. And and I think that that's there's a little balance that I just love for all types of competitive games. And I think a, a sports like coat of paint on that would work pretty well. Um, I think I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. Mm. I think I have a, an actual answer to the question. Oh. I think I would make something that is uh, more like like a decathlon, but maybe it would be like with random random actions instead mm-hmm. of like you always have to run i don't know it could be uh make tea or something it would be like warrior wear <laughs> but for sports okay i think yeah i don't know that that seems like a really interesting idea um yeah and then like if you made it competitive and you had to compete against other people you'd have to get good at like all the individual sports yeah and then like maybe you could like develop a team where like this person's really good at the the hockey aspect of it but this other person's really good at the equestrian part or something right. yeah i don't know um that would be kind of neat so they'd be like mini games they'd be a bunch of mini games yeah okay. they enough depth for like you there's uh there's some you know strategy. complexity and strategy yeah yeah in it, so if you do it more uh, if you practice you get better yeah but not enough depth where like um a player can just dominate because like they're really good at this one yeah. thing like maybe you need some kind of a team because they're all they all use different aspects of people's skills and things and you just have to build your team and you don't know what like what sports you'll get. That is the end of the sports zone. Please file out of the stadium and sing a file and don't push each other. <laughs> <laughs> nice games. Sports. All right. Take it away, Mark. <laughs> That is our show. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to give it a good review, liked it, or a nice like us, or don't want Mortho to come after you. <laughs> we need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club and email us at contact at nicegames.club. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice host, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. And so until we start again, Remember to play nice and make nice. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.